are now listening to another leadership podcast by C3 Church San Diego. For more information about our church, go to c3sandiego.com. I thought I would give you, um, you know, really it's a pretty boring title this morning. My, my message is called My Four. My Four. Um, I like the beginnings of years. I, I really like the beginning of a thing. Um, I like a clean sheet of paper. Uh, I, I, I live off um, these legal pads, and, uh, but I find that I get halfway through one and I, and I see the new one sitting there. And it's like, oh, I start lusting after the new one. You know, oh, I, there's just something about new. And, uh, you know, I like a blank canvas. You know, it's just white and you've got all the colors there and you can just paint and... And I like a new year. To me, a new year is like a, this blank canvas. And, and, uh, and I just love, I love the fact that God set time. Do you, do, you, do you know that human beings are the only ones that recognize time? Do you know fish don't recognize what time it is? Dogs don't recognize what time it is. The animal kingdom has no idea. They don't celebrate birthdays or Christmas or, you know, New Year's. Or the, the only people on the planet that recognize time is you and I. And uh, time can either be our friend or time can be a stalker, you know, kind of always there in the background. And I've determined, you know, the Bible says, King David wrote this in the Psalms. He says, Lord, teach me to number my days. Teach me to number my days. In other words, to recognize you know, the days that I've got, the moments that I've got, the time that I've got. And I think when we do that, we recognize that uh, we need to become time lords. We need to become stewards and masters of time. So I like the beginning of a year because I feel like no matter what aspirations I had for 2014, it's a brand new year. It's like the clock has started again. The, the You know, it's the Etch-A-Sketch where... And it's all clean again. I can start all over again. And, and I just need that. So I just want to give you my, my four. Every New Year's I always pray and I always ask God, you know, uh, is there anything that you want this year? You know, because at the end of the day, I can, I can ask God to bless my dreams. But I, I've, just, I've just found that that kind of Christian life never ends well. I've always found that the safest and the greatest life to live is, Lord, what are your dreams? How can I bless your dreams? And, and you'll always find yourself right on that, that true north if, if you do that. And so a couple of years ago, you probably know God spoke to me and said, you know, two things, faithfulness and awkward conversations. And so last year I said, okay, God, you know, what is it this year? He said, it's the same. You still haven't mastered those ones. Keep them going. So, uh, so this year I actually got... Um, I actually got another one, and then I've just added another one in there just that I felt. So the one that I got this year was um, devotion. I really felt God just say, I want you to take your level of devotion and your devotions up. So let me give you the four. The four of faithfulness, uh, awkward conversations, devotion, and then my fourth one is big rocks. Big rocks, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain them. So uh, Numbers chapter 12, Numbers chapter 12, verse 1 to 8 is is kind of my inspiration. It's my muse for, for this year. If there's, there's one scripture, I, I, like, I like a scripture that kind of inspires me. And, and Numbers 12, Miriam Aaron spoke against Moses because he married the Ethiopian woman, you know. And 
they're like, well, you know, has, has God only spoken through Moses? Can't he also speak through us? And, and they kind of, you know, they kind of have a bit of a shot at him because, you know, he didn't marry a Jewish woman. You know, he married Jethro, the priest of Midian's daughter, who kind of, I guess, is maybe part Ethiopian. And so, you know, so they're having a shot at Moses because of, you know, his wife, his marriage. And incredibly, incredibly nasty, really. It's a very critical spirit that they're having a shot at Moses, their leader, at, you know, a decision he can't change. He's in covenant with her. He married her. And if you read the scriptures, you know, there's some tension in the marriage. Uh, she has a real issue with circumcision. He wants to, you know, circumcise the boys and she flings the foreskins at Moses and says, you're a husband of blood to me. And uh, so they're, they're fighting all the time. Because she, you know, she doesn't understand because the Midianites followed the one true God, but they, they didn't keep the covenants. That covenant was given to Abraham, not to the Midianites. And, uh, and so, you know, you read in, in, uh, uh, in Exodus, I think it's like 17 or 18, Moses is, is kind of out there doing his leading and Jethro brings his wife, uh, Moses' wife, Jethro's daughter, and his grandsons Moses' sons back to Moses saying dude they've come to me because your marriage is a mess dude and uh, you got to what are you doing he's like well God's doing all these miracles and Jethro rejoiced in all the miracles and he says but what you're doing is not good you're meeting with the people from the early hours of the morning to late into the evening you're going to kill them they're going to kill you you need to appoint captains of thousands captains of hundreds captains of fifties captains of tens and let them and you just deal with the big stuff and let them deal with the little stuff and so you know Jethro is giving him some really good father-in-law advice well here we have uh you know Aaron and Miriam who come and they they kind of shoot shoot down you know the leader and uh and so verse three now the man Moses was very humble more than all the men who were on the face of the earth suddenly the Lord said to Moses Aaron and Miriam come out you three to the tabernacle of meeting so the three came out then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam and they both went forward then God said to Aaron and Miriam hear now my words if there is a prophet among you I the Lord Make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Such a beautiful passage of scripture and it goes on and Miriam struck with leprosy and Moses intercedes and she gets healed again, but she has to wait outside the camp for seven days and so they can't move till she comes back. And it's just a powerful passage of scripture. But I, I just, for me, the, the, the Moses is faithful in all my house. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak to him plainly. And probably if there's a, if there's a scripture that, that really impacts me, it's that scripture. If there's a scripture that inspires me, that challenges me, if there's a scripture that I would want God to say about me, it would be not so with my servant Jürgen. He is faithful in all my house. Not just faithful when people are looking, not just faithful with the stuff that's public, not just with faithful with you know what happens on a Sunday. He is faithful in all my house. And uh, and I just I just like that. And to me faithfulness is is the most important thing 
that I've discovered in the scripture because God does not promote on gift. God does not promote on talent. God does not promote on skill sets. God promotes on faithfulness. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will now make you ruler. I will elevate. I will promote you to rule over many things because of your faithfulness. And faithfulness is, to me, it's seen in the little things. It's the little things. It's faithful in the little things. It's faithful when no one's looking. You know, um, I heard someone preach many years ago saying that for faithfulness to be tested, authority has to leave the room. Anybody can work on their computer while the boss is behind them. But when the boss is, you know, on an extended lunch break and solitaire comes up and, you know, or you just decide, oh, I've just got to respond back to this Facebook message or check my email or, you know, whatever. And you're, and you're, and you're kind of goofing off. Uh, that's not faithful. Faithful is you work just like the boss is there. Anybody can be faithful when the boss is breathing over your shoulders. But what do you like when, when authority has left the room? That's faithful. And in Luke 16, 10 to 12, it gives us the three areas of faithfulness. He was faithful in least, is faithful in much. He was faithful with what belongs to another man. God will give him what is his own. But he was not faithful with what belongs to another man. Who will give you what is your own? And if you cannot be faithful with unrighteous mammon, who will entrust to you the true riches of the kingdom? If you can't be faithful with unrighteous mammon, if, in other words, if you can't be faithful with money, you need to understand uh, how you deal with money says everything to God. It says everything to God. You know, the, the tithe is the test. It's, it's not just the, the test of, you know, your stewardship or your financial prowess. It's a test of your character. It's a test of your loyalty. Can you honor the Lord with your finances? Can you honor the Lord with your substance? Can you honor the Lord with, with what you've brought in? Can you honor God with that? And, you know, so and Jesus says, if you can't be faithful with unrighteous mammon, who will entrust you the true riches of the kingdom? And I've actually found that the, the pathway to, to the anointing, because God's not going to anoint you if you're, if you're crooked and corrupt. Like if you look at Judas, Judas was the one who was unfaithful. And man, you know, just the, being around the presence of Jesus, you know, took him out. But the ones who were faithful, who left everything, who followed Jesus, who gave everything, Peter, James, John, you know, they were elevated into powerful positions in you know, the kingdom of God. And so faithfulness is, is such a huge thing. So I found for me, God spoke to me very, very clearly. Uh, the first one, very frustratingly, is about shopping carts. Shopping carts. Uh, you know, I would see, I would see people, you know, that they've emptied their shopping into the back of their car. And then they just, you know, it's a four, about four or five parks away is the store where you put the the carts and they just kind of just you know leave them there or have them sandwiched or you know stick them up on the little curb there and get in their car and drive off and you're trying to get in there's three you know carts and then you can't get in you've got to get out and move the things and 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 God just began to say to me you know always take yours back and then half the time I'm there and I hear this whisper take that one back as well and it's like oh man you know I've got stuff to do and and uh, but I just found that faithfulness is in the little things faithfulness is being at the beach and seeing a bikini clad beauty and not looking a second time you can't help noticing the first time okay I'm only human but what I do the second time 
when I think no one's looking. There's, there's the faithfulness test. And the way to avoid the big falls, you know, the way to av avoid, you know, adultery or any of that kind of stuff is really what happens down, down there with a the second look on, on the beach. And it's just, it's those, it's those faithful little things. It's the promptings in, in meetings to, to give, you know, or I've got to figure I'm going to give and the Holy Spirit changes it. He always rounds it up. He always takes it up. He never says, Jurgs, that's too generous. Bring it down. He's always. And so, you know, but learning to listen, learning to do those things, learning to just follow those little prompts, uh, you know, uh, is all about faithfulness. Dr. Cho, Dr. David Yong Cho is the largest church in the world, 800,000 members. Uh, they asked him many years ago, what's the secret to your success? And he says, oh, it's very, very simple. Pray and obey. Pray and obey. It doesn't get any more complicated than that. Pray. When you pray, get ready because, you know, sometimes we just think prayer is a one-way street, but pray and listen. And then whatever God tells you to do, obey and do it. So I find I've got the prayer thing pretty good. The obey. Okay. Yeah, I'm still working on the obey because he will ask you to do something crazy, witness to that person, invite that neighbor, talk to that person. And, and it's always an interruption, but that's what faithfulness is. You know, I, I just love the, the thought that uh, Jesus from you know, whatever age, was a carpenter. I mean, he didn't start his ministry till 30. So let's say he started his apprenticeship at 15 and 16, which was kind of like the, the average time for the Jewish boys. He would have been a carpenter for probably 15 years. 15 years, he's fixing tables and chairs and leaking roofs and cabinets and putting up shelves. People got healed later on in his ministry that he probably fixed their the cabinetry up and yet he was good he was the son of God I mean he was the son of God he was the the, the God who flung the stars into space created all the, the planets in our solar system so that everything moves like in perfect symmetry and perfect clockwork and here he is hammering nails and fixing stuff and he was content just to do that and I just thought wow you know how faithful is Jesus that God would just kind of, you know, be a carpenter and just fix things and just repair things, knowing that this was not his season, that his season was coming. He didn't just kind of wait there and just say, well, you know, I'm just going to study. I'm going to be out in the wilderness. And, you know, he was, he was working while his dream and his destiny was. So don't despise the day of small beginnings and don't despise where you are right now. And, uh, if, you know, he, he must have been a pretty good carpenter because when Jesus came into the town, they knew him. They said, is this not the carpenter's son? So he had a great reputation as a carpenter, probably had a thriving business that he walked away from. That's why the brothers and his mother came out. What the heck? He's lost his mind. Who, would, who on earth would leave a really lucrative, prosperous business to now start you know, preaching? What are you doing? You're calling fishermen? What the heck has happened to him? And, uh, but it was just a season. So, you know, faithfulness be faithful where you are right now don't ever think because if honestly if if, if you know if, if i was like one of those career advisors and i was sitting down with jesus and so tell me what your future well i believe i'm the messiah the messiah okay what does that look like well i believe i'm going to die for the sins of human die for the sins of human i'm going to be a teacher you're going to be a teacher okay well, what kind of stuff you're going to teach the kingdom the kingdom of god and, and what do you do right now you're a carpenter are you 
Okay, you know, the advice that I would give probably would have derailed Jesus. So thank God I didn't live back then to give him advice. That there's a, there's a huge gap between what you're doing right now in carpentry and, and, you know, being the Messiah. But yet Jesus was, you know, so sometimes we think, well, hang on, how does working in Target, how does, you know, being a barista in Starbucks have anything to do with, no, 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 just be faithful where you are right now. Come on, somebody. All right, number two was awkward conversations. Matthew 16, 23, if you want a scripture for that one. Matthew 16, 23, Jesus turns to Simon Peter and says, Get thee behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. I just love that Jesus, one of the people that he loves, he's not afraid to call it as it is. Get thee behind me, Satan. Sometimes we paint Jesus as, you know, kind of like a little bit of a homeless guy you know the reason he had a long beard was because he you know he's a bit unkempt you know dirty hair matted hair and he just kind of you know walked around the hillside and anybody who was unemployed followed him you know people didn't have anything to do follow this guy and you know just kind of just sat around and said things really deep that nobody understood but they just thought we've got nothing else to do we're unemployed we're just hanging around here you know and and he's just like you know blessed are the pillar in heart for that oh, you know and uh, but that's that's not what it was like but yet but the world wants to try and paint this picture of of jesus you know and he's just kind of meek and he just loves everybody and you know jesus loves the homeless and but jesus says the poor you'll have with you always jesus is like man why isn't this sold and given to the poor and well the poor you're gonna have with you always you're always gonna be surrounded by need the bible says he didn't give himself to everybody because he knew what was in in men he only gave himself to the 12 jesus was selective there were people that he walked past who were blind. There were people that he walked past who were lame. There were people he walked past who were crippled. He would have kept going, but by and by, Emmaus kept calling out. And so he stopped and says, what does it bring him to me? And uh, what do you want? Rabboni, they may receive my sight. Go, you are your faith has made you whole. And blind by Emmaus gets healed. But he's sitting begging with a whole bunch of other blind people. They didn't get healed. And so we have this, this kind of this, this picture that the world wants to give us that Jesus is all about the down and out and he just loves everybody. And, and the first thing the world will tell you is, oh, you know, don't judge. You shouldn't, you're, you're a Christian, you're not meant to judge. Well, the Bible actually says, Jesus says to the disciples, each of you are going to sit on 12 thrones and judge the nations. Are you not kind of in the place where you can at least judge amongst yourselves the things of Israel? And so, you know, no, the, the kingdom is all about judging. I have to make judgment calls. I have to make judgment. Do I put this person in leadership or that person in leadership? Do we do this with the finances? Do we that? Do, do we do that? With, do we start, a, you know, a, a, a South Campus this year or next? Do, life is all about judgments. You've got to judge, but the world will try and rob you because it doesn't want you to live in the realm of discerning. It doesn't want you to live in the realm of distinguishing. And here Jesus turns to Simon Peter and he's not afraid to have an awkward conversation. And he discerns, Simon, the thing that you're saying, while it looks good and it looks appeasing, actually comes from hell itself. Get thee behind me, Satan. You know, you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. This is just moments after Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. You know, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. We've got to have, you know, awkward conversations when we need them. We've got to be able to call a spade a spade. And then listen, you know what I like about Peter? Peter doesn't leave. He called me Satan. 
I left everything. I, I'm the fisherman. I had a really big catch of fish, and then I left him and followed him. And he was just, he was a fat. I left everything. I think it's all gone to his head. I think all this Messiah, he was walking on water, and now I think it's all. And like Peter doesn't leave. Peter doesn't get his knickers in a night. Peter can take a rebuke. Do you know the Bible says, rebuke a wise man, and he'll be wiser still? Rebuke a fool, and all you get is scoffing. So you can tell a lot about the character of a person by giving them a rebuke. Sometimes just rebuke them even if they haven't done anything wrong, just to see, just to test whether they're wise or a fool. Because if you rebuke a wise man, he gets wiser still. Rebuke a fool and you kind of get all kinds of scoffing. Oh, okay, I was just seeing whether you were wise or foolish. I had this, this uh, job opportunity over here, but now I recognize you're not the right person. And so awkward conversations. Now, let me just say on awkward conversations, uh, if you get the book, The Starbuck Experience, um, by Howard Schultz, the, the, the first page floored me because the first page says Starbucks is not in the coffee business. And honestly, if you come from Australia and you've, and you've been drinking flat whites, you kind of agree. You think, oh, okay, wow, that's true. And uh, you coffee suck. And, anyway, and I'm just thinking, but hang on. Starbucks is known as the coffee shop of coffee shops the world over. You turn the page and it says Starbucks is not in the coffee industry, it's in the people business. It's in the people business. And then the whole, the whole book is about the fact that they're dedicated to people. And can I just say to you that the church is not in the theology business. Even though we're all about theology, we're not in the theology business. We're in the people business. We're in the people business. So let me just, let me just tell you this. That means that we have to, be, have to get good at confrontation. We have to get good at awkward conversations. We have to get good at dealing with people. There is a right way and a wrong way to do confrontation. There is a right way and a wrong way. If you destroy the person, you did it the wrong way. If you dislodge, if you separate the issue from the person, I, you know, it should always be redemptive. It should always be sitting down with somebody saying, listen, you may or may not be aware or this has come to my attention. Do, do you realize you're doing this? Do you, you know, I, I need to talk to you about this. It's delicate, it's difficult, but I need to talk to you about this area of your life because I see so much potential over here, but this nagging, this negativity, this gossip, this issue, whatever it is over here is letting you down. Now, I need to ask you, do you want to hold on to this because it is affecting your destiny or will you allow us to surgically help you remove it, put some accountability in place so that you can deal with this thing? And so then, now you put it on the person to say, no, I want to hang on to my bad attitude. And okay, well, you know, you, you can't have your, your bad attitude and a position. You can't have your bad attitude and influence. You've if you want influence, you've got to let go of this thing. You've got to deal with this thing. We have to become good at people. And I've, I've found that, uh, you know, church, I, I live in a dichotomy where I need to uh, walk with the, the Lord. I need to flow in the Holy Ghost. I need to hear from God. But I need to spend probably as much, if not more time, just getting... Uh, wisdom and understanding around how to deal with man's fallen nature. Because when I look at the Bible, the Bible isn't just all about God. I mean, it's all about God and His interactions with a fallen, broken humanity. You know, I'm doing my little devotions this morning and it's, you know, it's uh, the two angels go into Sodom and Gomorrah and, you know, they, they walk in and the men of Sodom here, that are t and, and, you know, 
they're saying to hey, Lot, no, we'll just sleep out here in the open square. It's nice. Look at this beautiful starry night. He's like, for crying out loud, get into my house. And so they come in like, what's wrong with this place? You know, if it, you know, you live here, it should be all right. And next, boom, 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 all the people are at the door, bring out the men. We want to have sex with them. And uh, Lot walks out and goes, guys, guys, they're visitors. Come on, you guys are crazy. Listen, oh man, you know, what you're doing is wrong. Let me bring my virgin daughters out. Do to them whatever you want, but don't, you know. So, you know, Lot had already become infected. I mean, who, who thinks like that? But if you, if you read on the next thing it says, it says, this man came to us as a foreigner and now he acts like he's a judge over us. We're going to do worse to you than we were to them. We're going to do worse to you. So in other words, like these weren't people weren't saying, hey, we saw there were two strangers. Oh, can we just love on them? Can we get to know them and, you know, maybe buy them a drink and, and just, you know, no, no, no. They had, they had ill, malicious, perverse, wicked intent. And when, when Lot intercedes, they said, man, we're going to do worse to you. And they pressed for the man, the Bible says, and the angels had to grab Lot, bring him in the house, shut the door, and then strike the men with blindness. And then the Bible says, and they groped for hours and hours, still even struck blind. They're still, st- still dro- so driven by their lust, they were still trying to find the door, convinced they could find the door so that they could, you know, uh, r- rape these men. And so what I found is the Bible doesn't, hold, doesn't kind of pull any punch. It shows us the the purity, the magnificence of God, but at the same time, it shows us the depravity of man. And when people come into church, they come in with issues, with junk, with agenda. And whether you realize or not, when I came into the kingdom of God and I still have areas that I need to work on areas of insecurity and jealousy and all those kinds of things and envy all those things in my life and what happens is people bring those things in and a lot of those things you know we're good at dealing with the headline things but it's the detail things and so dealing with you know manipulation and control and uh, you know agenda and and kind of you know positioning and all that kind of stuff that's just wicked but we have to get good at dealing with those things we have to get good at calling those things out and uh and so dealing with with people developing people skills in fact uh, i read a study recently that the the number one asset for employment especially in the high-end employment uh, six figures and above is people skills in the 21st century people that have exceptional people skills that can rally a team that can get people to work together that can uh you know, calm conflict is is just huge. And so I've found that I need to have awkward conversations. The number three is devotion. Luke 5, 16, Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness and the lonely places and there he prayed. I found that it's my devotion is the filling of my tank that's going to determine my destiny. You know, uh, Elijah, after he slayed the 450 prophets of Baal, the 400 prophets of Asherah, one word from Jezebel puts him in a tailspin. How could, how could he take on 450 of the badass prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah, and then one woman? One woman? It's because his emotional tank was empty. His physical tank was empty. It was the straw that broke the camel's back. He had nothing left. And so he flees. And the Bible finds him sitting under a broom tree crying to God, kill me. You know, I'm no better than my father's. Take my life. And the Bible says that the, uh, that the Lord caused him to fall into 
into a sleep and then an angel came and cooked for him and woke him up and says, eat this cake and drink this, this water. And he ate the cake and drank the water and he fell asleep again. And the angel cooked on hot coals another cake, put some more water there, woke him up again, says, arise, eat and drink for the journey is too great for you. You need to eat and drink. And the Bible says he went in the strength of angelic food 40 days and 40 nights. And so this is what I've discovered. I've discovered in my life, my diet will determine my destiny. I've discovered when it comes to devotion that my diet determines my destiny. What are you feeding on? You've got to do more than feed on late night TV. You've got to do more than feed on Showtime. You've got to do more than feed on, you know, kind of death and, you know, movies. You've, you've actually got to feed on the Word of God. You've got to feed on a devotional life. You've got to feed on a prayer life. Um, you know, we live, in a, we live in a world where, you know, to me, atheism is a byproduct of, of uh, wickedness because sin, you know, when we didn't start denying God because we want sin and we recognize that we can't have God and our sin, so we, we like the pleasure of sin more than we like the pleasing of God, and so, so we choose sin. The problem is that in Matthew 5, 3, Jesus is blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And so I know that, that the, 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 there's a price to purity, but I know that there's also a reward. And the reward of purity is that you see God. So no wonder the wicked don't see God because it's only the pure in heart that see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. So the enemy, no wonder he wants to contaminate and, and you know, pollute and, you know, people's hearts so they don't see God. God, God is walking in their midst 2,000 years ago and they couldn't see him beyond his humanity. All they saw was a carpenter's son. So, so what I found is there's a price to purity. No wonder the enemy is constantly trying to, you know, pollute and contaminate my heart because he doesn't want me to see God but it's important for me as a leader to see God I need to see God in this decision I need to see God in this person's life I need to see God in what he's saying in the city what he's doing in the city I need to see God in a New Year's Eve event I need to see God in a musical production I need to see God you know being shaped in our internship program I need to see God I need I need to see God therefore I found that the antidote to to the world is is devotion so you know New Year's Eve, the reason it was, it was a success is because most Christians live in, in uh, half of Ephesians 5.18. So we know when Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, in which is debauchery or dissipation. So you have most Christians right there, stop the verse there and say, oh, you know, we're Christians, we don't drink, we don't get drunk, you know, we resist the world. And we spend all of our time and energy not doing. But that's not where the verse finishes. It says, Ephesians 5.18, Do not be drunk with wine, in which is debauchery. Instead, same verse, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making music and melody in your hearts to the Lord. And so, so rather than have a New Year's Eve where, where we're talking about how bad the world is and tonight people are getting drunk and you know, all kinds of wickedness and there are parties, the parties going on, and, you know, and, you know, and, and doing all that kind of stuff. Instead, we say, hey, we're going to have a party, but instead of being drunk with wine in which is dissipation let's be filled with the holy spirit let's cross from 214 into 215 full of the holy ghost full of prophecy full and so everybody that was here was like oh my gosh that was the best one yeah that was the best one yeah people are full of faith full of vision and so so i, I like that because to me it's it, there's devotion and devotion is it's the word it's prayer and it's worship and if i think about the three the three things that you need i need air i need food and i need water 
Air is prayer. Prayer is how your, your spirit breathes. So that's air. Food is the Word of God. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So, so Jesus is the bread of heaven. The Word of God is food. But worship... Worship is water. Worship washes and worship cleanses. That's why I love, you know, Wednesdays, Pastor Drew. I, I look forward to Wednesdays because I love Wednesday because I get to start the day in worship. I love just worshiping. You know, it's, I've got somebody brilliant playing the guitar, somebody awesome on the drums, somebody leading songs. And, you know, and I get to just engage in worship and I find just the washing. Again, there's a, there's, a, there's a purity and there's a fight for purity. But the reward for purity is that you'll begin to see God. You'll begin to see God. And leadership is all about seeing. For me to, for me to be a prophetic voice, I have to see. When a prophet no longer sees, he's no longer a prophet. Because a prophet in the Old Testament was called a seer, S-E-E-R, a seer. And when he no longer, or he or she is no longer able to see, they're no longer able to prophesy. I need to be able to see. Therefore, my devotion is everything. So I just felt this year, you know, God was saying, I want you to take your devotion up. So, you know, I'm just kind of doing with, uh, you know, the, the Holy Bible app. Just doing a, you know, a one year through the Bible thing again. And so I'm just doing that every morning. Uh if I was really honest with you, I, I do cheat a little. How do I cheat? Glad you asked. So rather than just read and then have my mind go off, I, um, uh, I have the audio Bible where you can read along. And so somebody is reading it and I just read along. Man, it's so much easier. It's so much easier, so much quicker. So I've been, I've been plowing through that. So uh, anyway, so I, I like... I, I like devotion. And to me, devotion really is I'm called to minister to him first. One of my heroes in the Bible is Samuel. I'm going to preach on Samuel at some point. But it's interesting. The Bible says that uh, Israel had, had rest, had peace with the Philistines and all the enemies around about all the days of Samuel. What? Just because Samuel was there, there was something about Samuel's devotion to God. The Bible says when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. There was something about the presence of Samuel in Israel that no enemy could touch them. The whole life, the whole lifetime of Samuel. Anyway, and so I just like Samuel. And so Samuel, Samuel ministered to the Lord before he even knew the Lord. He ministered to the Lord from a young age before he even, and, and the Bible says, and the Lord had not yet revealed himself to Samuel. And yet Samuel was there ministering. To, to the Lord. Reminds me of that, you know, my, my favorite Star Wars scene where Darth Vader, Darth Vader bows his knee to the emperor. What is thy bidding, my master? I love that. Every time I see that, I go, oh, that's how I want to be with God. Just bow my knee. What is thy bidding, my master? And uh, like that. Anyway, the last one is Big Rocks. Big Rocks is Nehemiah 6. One to three, Sanballat, the, the Horonite, Gershom, the Arab, and a couple of the other Peleks came to, to, uh, to Nehemiah and says, come down from the wall, come down from the wall, we, the wall, we want to talk with you. And he says, what I'm doing is really important. I don't have time to come down and argue with idiots. I'm going to stay on this wall and I'm going to keep building because what I'm involved in is a great work. And so I found that, you know, what are the big things that you've got to do to fulfill your destiny in 2015. So what are the big things and what are the distractions? So, uh, 
you, you would, have you all seen the, the c- cylinder and you got sand, you got pebbles and you got big rocks and, and you got to f- put them all into the same cylinder? Most people put the sand in first and they put the pebble and they try and stuff the big rocks. It doesn't work. You've actually got to put the big rocks in first. But when you put the big rocks in first, you think, oh my gosh, I'm never going to f- get the sand and the pebbles in. But you will because you put the sand in last because the sand will sweep down and fill in all the cracks and the crevices. But it looks like the thing's already two-thirds full and you've still got all the sand and all these pebbles. You put the rocks, you put the pebbles, and then you pour the sand and the sand goes in and fill, fills everything up. And so you've got to put the big rocks in first. So in your life, in your calendar, what are the big rocks? So for me, my big rocks are prayer. Prayer is, is, is big rocks. Prayer, you know, worship, devotion, all that kind of stuff. My other big rock is, is Leanne. I've got one life, one wife. And so I need to spend time with my Leanne. I need to make sure that, that her and I are walking in rhythm, that we're walking in step, that we're running at the same pace. If I'm walking too quick, I need to step back, put my arm around her, make sure she's okay. Has she hurt herself? Has she sprained her ankle? Is she limping because she's been wounded? I need to slow down to her and I need to pick up. Maybe I need to carry her, but I need to make sure that I'm in sync with, with the helpmate that God's given me. Then the next one for me is leaders. I found that I love being with people. I love pastoring people. But I found that that is a luxury that now I have to entrust to other people because, I, the, because of the, the vision is too great and the demands of my, my life and my time are so, so limited that God spoke to me about two or three years ago and says, you need to give yourself to developing leaders. Leaders are your big rocks. And I still am naughty. I still cross the line. I still pastor this person. I meet with that person. I love that person. Only to find that I've now created a precedence. Very hard for poor old Pastor Stacy because I don't know. I don't want to talk with you, Pastor Stacy. I already met with Pastor Jurgen and he and I got a, got a thing happening. And, and so I've now made it more difficult for, for the team to pastor them. And so I found that I need to meet with, with leaders. I need to meet with leaders. Another one for me is mentors 2015 what voices are speaking into my world what what voices are speaking into my life and so I've got a monthly call to a bunch of guys who are a little bit further on than me a little bit uh, you know uh, ahead of the curve than where I am that I'm just sitting with and calling up and you know picking their brains and learning from to go to the next level so I've just found that you know who I need to meet with the big rocks what I need to be doing and where I ought to be what where, where do I ought to be which conferences do I need to be going to or you know which DNA courses you know where to me it's in the house of God you know it's x amount of services a weekend it's all of those things so it's the who what where but it's the big rocks and you'll find if you once you get the big rocks in the little rocks fall away can i also just say this to you that one of the big rocks i remember hearing pastor phil pringle say this years ago and it floored me because i'd never heard anybody you know in full-time ministry say that you need to do this um he said the first thing you, you should put on your calendar is your vacation and I almost had a heart attack. I'm like, Pastor Phil, don't do that. Everybody will have vacations. Because when I was in a different denomination, they would always say, because the church wasn't growing, no one's getting vacations this year. We're going to work you dogs harder. You know? and, and, and if you had a vacation, you, would, you were seen as a betrayer. Oh, yeah, well, you're off there lying on the beach. We had to labor and we had to bear the load of ministry. And, you know, so, so, and then 
when I get to Oxford Falls, I remember going away on vacation. I kind of, you know, kind of come back in. I'm a little bit, you know, fear and trepidation. People are going, oh, welcome back. I'm like, huh? What? Welcome back. Oh, you know, did you have a good time? Where'd you guys go? Oh, just hung out at the beach. Oh, great. And it was a completely different spirit. And, uh, and I found the longevity that, you know, uh, C3 has the least amount of burnt out pastors. C3 has the least amount of pastors that, you know, do something stupid with, you know, leave their wives or whatever. And, uh, and I reckon it's part of it is because, you know, you got to rest. You got to rest. You got to recreate. You got to have recreation. You got to have rhythm. If you ask Pastor Andrew, it's, it's, it's impossible to have rhythm with just one thing. To have, you can't just, that's not rhythm. To have rhythm, you've got to hit, bring back, hit, bring back, hit, bring back. And so the, 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 the moon has a rhythm. It goes full moon, no moon. The ocean has a rhythm. It comes in high tide, low tide. The whole earth has a rhythm. And you'll find that life will be stressful and it'll wear you out when you don't find your rhythm. There's a time to push and there's a time to draw back. Your body has a rhythm. You exhale. And then you inhale and your body has a natural rhythm and you need to find the rhythm that, that you're, you're to have in life. When, when musicians on the stage have no rhythm, it is horrible. And it's the same, it's the same way when, when you and I are out, of, are out of rhythm. And I spoke a little bit on Sunday about times and seasons and just recognizing there's a time to push and there's also a time to draw back. And you need to understand that God worked, you know, six days and on the seventh he rested, not because he was tired, but because he was doing it because we needed an example. And if the great God who neither sleeps nor slumbers, nothing wears him out, rests on the seventh day, who are you and I to try and force things and push things and always live, always live in a time of harm? There is a time to sow and there's a time to reap and there's a time to, to sit back. There's a time to rest. There's a time to, to you know, just uh, refocus. I, I've even found that just reflecting, just to sit back and reflect. You know, the Bible says, and the Lord saw all that he had made and behold, it was good. It was very good. Even the Lord took time and he called it work. This is still, he was still working, but he, to him, work was reflecting. How often do you take the time just to reflect over what you've done? Just, just to kind of, you know, let, let me just have a look at what I did today. That was a really good meeting. You know what? I actually probably need to follow up. That was a pretty strong meeting that I had, and I need to just follow up, make sure they're okay. But you know what? All in all, that was a good day. It was very good. Like just to put some time in your day for reflecting. Reflecting is everything. I found that... Uh, you know, until there was a couple of wayward golf shots. Golf was good for me to reflect, but now I've, I just got a new addiction for surfing. But I just find I'm out there and I just see the church. I see leaders. I see what's required so much more clearly when I'm just sitting in there. Just maybe it's the rhythm of the ocean or the waves. I don't know. But there's just something you've got to find your place where you disconnect. It's, is it Because if you can disconnect well, you can connect stronger. Have you noticed that? With exercise, you take a breather, you can come back and put out another 30 reps. But if you're just trying to go, you're, you know, amen. Amen. So they're my four. They're my four. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. 
that 2015 is going to be the greatest year of our lives. And I pray, Father, that all of us would just excel in the areas of faithfulness, Father, that all of us would excel in our people skills, that we would not walk away from uh, awkward conversations, knowing that, you know, what we don't deal with at the top of the mountain is only going to snowball and end up being a catastrophe at the little town at the bottom of the mountain if we don't deal with it at the top. So, Father, help us to be good with that. Help us, Father, to, to this year just take our devotion to you up a whole nother level. And then, uh, Father, I pray, Lord God, that, uh, that we'd be able to identify what our big rocks are and what our distractions are so that, uh, that we can come to the end of 2015 and feel like we uh, really walked in all that you had purposed and set aside for us this great year. Father, we commit this year to you. We thank you for December, such a, such a busy December. Now, thank you for just a, a level of sila, a level of just pause, a level of just, uh, just a beautiful pace in January. Lord, we know that uh, next week with uh, John Burns going to be powerful. And, uh, you know, the Faith Weekend and, the, you know, Vision Weekend this weekend and then uh, Deliverance, the, the final weekend. It's just going to be a really, really great where we're going to be ministered to. And I just thank you for this, this great church, this great staff, this great team. Bless them today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can I just tell you, um, make sure that you, you get your 2015 Vision card this weekend and fill it out and go big go audacious like i i was just mine was somehow sitting next to my computer this week on my desk at home and when i pulled it out i showed leanne oh my gosh you got to check this out and as we went through it it was unbelievable now when i was writing these things in january last year they were it just seemed like they were so out there and yet now i'm looking back and they're like oh my gosh and uh you know somebody once wrote that faith is is believing forward what now makes perfect sense in reverse that faith is believing forward what now makes perfect sense in reverse and back in january last year man it was just oh man that's just crazy and now i'm looking back on oh my gosh god did exceedingly abundantly above all that i can and uh, that's that's who he is and your greatest testimony, your greatest value to the kingdom is for you to, to be a testifier of the goodness of God. Look at my vision card. This is what I wrote in January. Look at it. It's August, da, 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 December, da, 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 da. People are like, man, I want to give your God a go. I want to try that, you know. How do you do that? You just walk with the Lord. Amen.